everybody. You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. All right, so today we're going to do something that we do once in a while. Uh, we're going to do kind of a Q&A session. So we put out a little call on uh, Instagram and Facebook the other day. We said, look, if you have a, a question for the coaches, you know, that you've been wondering about for a long time or whatever, ask it, and we'll try to get to everybody's questions and just answer those questions and hopefully enlighten a bunch of other people that might have uh, the same kind of questions about training or nutrition, brain train, uh, cardio training, those sorts of things. So nothing was really off the table. So uh, we've got yeah, a bunch of questions. Yeah, we've got a bunch of questions. We'll get through as many as we can uh, if we have some leftovers. Um, I think we're going to do this once in a while. So uh, uh, we'll get to the ones that we can't get to at a later date. So like we always say, if you have questions, just fire them off at uh, on our Instagram or Facebook or something. We'll collect those and ask them at a later date. All right, coaches, you ready? Yep. All right, so let's see where we're at first. So basically we compiled these from Marty's Facebook and Instagram and ours and Jim's. So this is sort of a potpourri of, of questions and, and things that, uh, that all kinds of people asked us from all over the world. So, all right, um, here's one that we'll start with. <clears throat> let's see, I'll read it. Uh, would be interesting in getting your thoughts on age and strength. Lots of people have peaked in their 40s. I think mm -hmm. the most famous being Dr. Fred Hatfield squatting 1,000 at age 44, 45. Chris Duffin just squatted 1,000 in the gym for three reps, age 43. Odd Hagen competing in strongman in his 60s. Yeah, and he goes on and on. So lots of other examples. Would love to re uh, hear your thoughts on lifting for the long run. And this is what you guys have been doing. So what do you think? Good, Jim. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with your training age. So, you know, uh, Marty started even younger than I. I started when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, something like that. So, you know, over the years, you accumulate some, you know, you get banged up and things like that. If you didn't start until you were 20, 25, now I think you have, you know, Rich Silky always told me, you got 20 years before you start to get those little nagging stuff. You got 20 years of hard training when you can keep making gains and doing all that. Then that's when starts sort of stuff sort of starts breaking down. So if your training age doesn't begin until later, yeah, you can do it longer. If not, like if you've been training as long as we have, then you got to be smart. So like Marty was saying last time, you know, I walked in the gym today. I didn't feel like I was recovered, right? So I needed another day. You got to be able to yeah. – to sit yeah. back and look at, okay, I, I want to do this for a while now. So is this one workout or is this one exercise worth it? So you have to have a more flexible um, mind about training than you do when you're younger. When you're younger, you just go in there, you know, I'm doing this no matter what, no matter how I feel. Um, and then you can recover. When you get a little older, you have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to cycle. Well, it's a perfect example. If you look at, you know, purposeful primitive, when Marty talks about, hey, it's wintertime now. We're going heavy stews. We're doing heavy squats. You know, we're doing heavy deads. Now, when we get closer to summertime, now we're leaning out a little bit. Now our training is going to be a little faster. You know, that kind of stuff. Cycling your training, having the, the common sense to back off when you need to. I think that definitely, you know, really contributes to your longevity. 
Totally agree. I'm old. Could you repeat the question? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> are you serious? I got it. I got it. Messing around. Put your hearing aid um, in. Let's get to it. Yeah, because as long as you guys can hear me, okay. Uh, uh, strength is a bell curve, right, Jim? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you start out as a a teen, or in my case, a preteen, and um, you're you know you have a low strength level, and then uh, if you stay at it consistently, uh, you peak in your twenties and thirties, and you can maintain a great level of strength in your forties. Yeah. Um, up into the fifties, I saw, uh, Dennis Wright, um, uh, Doug Furness's mentor at age 50, weighing 198 squat, 800, just killed it. Oh, that's crazy. And then backed it up with a 500 pound raw bench. <laughs> now, Dennis was all of maybe five foot four. You know what I mean? I mean, he was a stout little lifting machine, but uh, you can maintain outstanding strength into your 50s, you know, um, but still, it's Dennis wasn't as strong as he was in his 28. You, you, right. you know what I mean? Right. So uh, strength is a bell curve. Uh, life is a bell curve. So, you know, at the end of at the end, what we do now is we want to retain that which we have. Right. On the downside of the bell curve, the whole game is retention. On the, on the, on the upside of the bell curve, the, the whole game is uh, attaining. Right. Right. Well, and, and you have your peak, you have your peak years when you're on the downside, then it's like, all right, you know, well, you know, I think I figured the other day, I think I am currently about as strong as I am when I was, I'd say, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so now the game plan for me is like, well, you know, I'm going to try to stay 16 for the rest of the ride, you know, right? You fight, you fight to maintain that which you have. Right. But you, you make a good point and you say it all the time. I mean, we can't, uh, we can't go back to our thirties and try to compete with our, our 30 year old self. You know, we, as you get older, you start thinking more and more about longevity and just being able to get out of bed and all that stuff. And oh, well, no, wait, wait a minute. No one's talking about <laughs> being able to get out of bed. I mean, come on. Oh, you know, you know <laughs> what I mean? You know, some, some no. people have, have uh, injuries and all that. You got to be very careful, but uh, yeah, you're, you, and you say it all the time. Um, you know, compete with your current self, not your 30 year old self, not your 40 year old self. Um, and just be very, very careful. And hopefully one of the biggest things I've, I've heard you guys talk about, about longevity is hopefully you had good coaching right from the start. And Marty, you always talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I, you was, know, you I was, I was blessed because I was, uh, I was, uh, I was introduced to really, really solid archetypical techniques that have kept me safe. I've never had a back. I've never had a back injury. Right, right. Uh, my back, my back is bulletproof actually. You know, because because of the supporting structure of the ears is so much right. hard training that that it. Uh, I've I've never you know I've had impact injuries, but I've, I've never had a you know like a torn off pec or a ripped quad. I've never had any of that. Right. Um, 
but I think it's because of my type techniques. Also, um, my personality, I'm not, I'm not Kirk, uh, you know, psychologically Kirk is a, you know, he'll, he's the kind of guy who jumps off the cliff in Al Capoco. <laughs> right. Or the, the guy who jumps off the mountain top in the Alps wearing a wingsuit. I'll be on the ground. I just pictured it. I just pictured it. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 the, or, 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 the, or Kirk is like the, the crazy kid, those crazy kids who do the, the aerials while they're riding a motorcycle. Like they jump off of a, an incline and they do a figure eight in the air and then land. It's like, oh, yeah. my God. They have to be those kids' parents. It's like, oh, Jesus. So, but uh, my personality was such that I was more um, – um, Conservative. I was more, yeah, yeah. In my self-assessment, mm-hmm. I've always been conservative in my self-assessment. I don't miss very much, not. To, and I pride myself in that. I, I always take it on a top set. I still, I always take it to that last rep where I go. There's no way I could do another rep. Okay, you're done. Right, and you're not right. talking I, about good morning it up either. You're talking about a good rep. Oh, oh! It has to be per- perfection. No, you know what I'm saying? It has no, to be you're... full range of motion. Right. Yes, yes. Right. right. And there's no ego. And the, I don't care the poundage. The poundage doesn't matter. I'm, I go, I'm going for feel and contraction. Yeah. No, that's a big key. And you know, your ego uh, has to just go away. Sometimes you're just like, I don't care. I don't care if she is using more weight than I yeah. am. I'm getting a lot out of this oh. exercise. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're I'm exactly do- right. I'm doing. I- I'm. I'm doing all I can do. Yeah. And I'm doing it correctly, and I'm know, doing it full yeah. range, full range of motion. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, nothing more horrible. There's no way I could make this lift more gruesome than what it is. Then yeah. you're doing it right. And it, it, it's so true, man. The experience of okay, I know how to get the most out of this exercise. You could be right next to somebody else. They're doing the same amount of reps, the same amount of weight, and they're like, "Oh, that was easy or whatever." And you're dying because that negative took you a four count. You, you know, you, uh-huh. you went all the way down and then at the oh, top, yeah. you squeeze until you know you couldn't squeeze anymore. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a, a one, one breath, one breath per rep. Yeah. That's another intensifier. We talk about that stuff. Oh yeah. That, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. without Let's slow that rep speed down away a little way there, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And adding in those, those different techniques like pauses, like peak contraction, like all that stuff to make exercise more difficult without using momentum and without, you know, going a lot heavier. That is one of the best things that I've ever adopted, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older here, just what you guys are doing, make, make lightweights heavy. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Because it preserves your joints. You're not getting injured. Or as we paraphrase Nathan Bedford Forrest, we get the mostest with the leastest. Right. That's right. But Jim, you you said it, uh, the ego I mean, look, we've all been lifting since our teens and, you know, t- teens, 20s, 30s, we all had that what? ego and it was wait, about wait, lifting, wait, wait. What, what, heavy, what? heavy. Te- wait, wait, wait. Teens, why'd you guys start so late? <laughs> yeah. When'd you start? Yeah. Oh, were you? Oh, you were like 11. Nine. nine. No, I was nine. <laughs> yeah, so you're like all right, so we're late bloomers. 
we're late bloomers. Hey, but. you know, we, we should we should probably move on because we're going to spend all day on this. But but I think I think that the bell curve of age thing is the thing to keep in mind, right? Wouldn't you say that's the takeaway? Yeah, I would. And I would also say yeah. um, that a personal trainer or, you know, somebody like us online can say to you, like we have to all the time to those tier one guys, nope. We're going, we're going lighter this week. Nope. You got two days off. You need with that personality that Kirk has and those guys have somebody to give them permission to back off. You know what I mean? It's a very hard lesson for them to learn. And here, here's the question I asked them to pose. If I wait till tomorrow, will I be stronger? Right. Yeah. Usually. And then have, then have the, then have the courage to do it. Now this assumes that your schedule will allow for that. Yeah. 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 Right. So, all right. What's, yeah. what's uh, let's pick another one, man. Pick, pick us another question. How about a, uh, okay, let's mix it up a little bit. How about uh brain train? Now this is a question from uh, Dr. Ryan Chow. We know him. He was on last week. Hey, we should probably not tell their names in case they ask a question that's embarrassing to themselves. <laughs> I, I doubt if uh, he's embarrassing himself with this question here, but uh, well, we'll we'll withhold judgment. Go ahead. Okay, for a, for a brain train newbie, what are some easy things or first steps for someone who is new uh, can do for training their minds and mindsets? This would be for the general application to training or behavior changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the first one you can do is know the weights that you're going to, let's say you got a squat on Monday, you know, your weights on Friday or, you know, somewhere around there. Then, then the visualization that we've discussed in all these other, other podcasts is, is essential and it's easy. Just see yourself, you know, simply doing those weights, the whole thing, the fundamentals of let's squatting now, taking the bar off, looking down at your feet, you know, that whole over and over again, play that movie, play the movie of a successful set of five with those weights, see those weights that are in your training diary on the bar. And really when you get there, another thing that a lot of beginners don't do is they're not ready. I mean, when you, when you, I'm training this kid, I trained this kid this morning. He is ready, man. I give him his weights. And Uh and when you walk in, you can feel the fucking heat coming off this kid. You've all, excuse me. Hey, 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 hey. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, you can feel the heat coming off this guy because he is so ready to go. It's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be successful. You know? Yeah. yeah. Now, does yeah, he we, do we, the we visualization? Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, of course he does. He does. Yeah, that's what he, that's also, why he's so jacked up. Yeah, and I yeah. give him his weights That's, that's why he's time. so jacked up. Yeah. So you're coaching him on that, too. Yeah. Here, okay. here's, here's the deal. If, if you don't think about it, yeah ahead of time then you're really not serious about this okay if it doesn't mean enough to you that you don't think anything about your um, i'm doing air quotes your strength training session that you don't give it two minutes thought before you walk in with yourself or your personal trainer or whatever and you absent-mindedly go through your whatever your strength training routine that you whatever you got out of the magazine or whatever that's worthless. You have to be so taken with this process that you think about it, that you run these mental movies that you're like, because each week you're handling poundages. You're doing things you haven't done before. That's the whole game because that's, that's where the games lie. Continual, 
continual adaptive response, continual hypertrophy, and we feed the machine. See, well, on the front end, we're looking for the, we want lean muscle mass without additional accumulation of body fat. So we want to, we want to take in quality calories, but excessive calories to fuel growth, and we're getting stronger and bigger every week, bigger and stronger every week, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and, that momentum, and then you think about it. Then you think about it. You think about right. it because each week you're going into a session and you're going, oh, man, 185 for five. You, you know what I mean, whatever, the, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And, and you visualize it because you want to see yourself heroically manhandling that weight, I'm getting fired up right now just talking like this. <laughs> you want to go out to the garage and do a set real quick? <laughs> I did it this morning. I uh, I went All out right, and crushed done, it in my, my, my squat set. Okay. I went out and uh, well, well, mentioned the pound, poundage, but I did uh, uh, seven reps with it last week, and I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to get eight. And today I got ten, right, it's with the same poundage. Nice. Now it was I had it was uh, eight eight days later. Right. I had to put an eight day gap before I felt ready. Okay, and I felt aggressive, right? And I felt strong, uh, and it was just it's like all right, let's hit it, right? Right. So it it took you eight full days to you you were really in tune with how you were feeling recovery wise, and you on the eighth day you said okay now I feel ready. It wasn't because of scheduling conflicts or anything like that. That's when you felt right to do it. I felt, I felt fresh. I felt revitalized. I was thinking about squatting before and I had it in my head and I saw myself doing it last week and I said, you know, that was pretty good. But, I, you know, and also the other cool thing is my body weight is down. Right. So I've been losing weight. This is the heat of the summer, so I'm, I've actually lost 15 pounds in the last wow. um, six weeks. Six weeks, right. mm -hmm. Gra gradually, gradually, just you know. And so, you know, I'm about 202, 201 now. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, my body weight's going down. So any week I can kick the reps up by three. It's like, oh yeah, that's a good week, man. Got stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, mathematically, no. Uh, you know, no, like, oh, yeah, you look so much better. No, 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 man. I picked up three reps. Right. Wow. That's I'm a walking big deal. a lot straighter now. Yeah. That's, that's a big right deal for I mean, one week. Yeah. 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 Well, eight days. But I felt, but I felt fresh and, and alert. And, and mm -hmm. I was, I mean, I just tore into it. You know, that's what I'm looking for. I just tore into it. That's perfect. But that's, that's the, that going back to, you know, thinking about it, you know, that's the passion. That's the difference between having passion and not having passion. For us, still to this day, we've been lifting for, you know, many decades, and uh, we still think about it constantly. You know, yeah. how do I get stronger? How do I get bigger? A hundred plus uh, collective years. Yeah. But you gotta, you gotta have that, and and you know, to the point we're talking about, you, you know, there there is lots of people that go into the gym and don't think about it at all that day and go in and well, they don't get any results or anything like that. You gotta have the passion. You have to have the want to go in and put the effort in to transform you to, your, you, your your your. You have to improve. Uh, physique. You have to improve. You have to mm -hmm. improve. If you don't improve, nothing happens. Right. Wasting your all time. Right. Uh, here's one about nutrition. It says, um, 
Let's see. Personally, as a trainer of older clients and aging athletes, how do you adjust nutrition? Meaning the, the hormonal flood of youth is over, not necessarily, but the muscle mm-hmm. pr- uh, preservation game is full on. Are those big calorie meals with a daily gallon of milk still required or even effective? Oh, God, no. Timmy, <laughs> let me take this one because sure. I, I don't know where this is coming from. No, no, you eat less as you age. First off, your metabolism, just as your metabolism accelerates on the front end of the bell curve, the age bell curve, right? Like your, your, the, think of the metabolism as the, the thermostat in your home. And the more you turn it up, the more fuel oil you burn. Now, that's a good thing. When you have a raging metabolism, that's like a, 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 a hyperactive kid. Yeah. You can eat anything. You can throw anything down his pie hole, and it's going to just turn into muscle because he's the act, his activity so exceeds his caloric intake that everything is just immediately combusted. There's no residual. There's no like if you throw green logs onto a fire, they they have leftover residual. Right. Well, that's body fat. You have to throw clean hardwood under a raging metabolism, the fuel gets completely burnt and you just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. And the more food fuel you throw onto a raging metabolism, the bigger the organism grows, right? So yeah, it's just it's a magical, magical thing, but you have to, you have to be past that certain level of intensity, and, right? So as they yeah. age? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, again, I mean, uh, you, what do you? What's your opinion, Jimmy? I mean, I, you, mean, you're, I really you're, like. Now, where, 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 where are you at? You're you're pushing fifty now, right? Where are you close? I'm fifty-two. I'll be fifty-three in two months. Yeah, five-three. Yeah, yeah. You got a right to speak. <laughs> so I, uh, I've been fasting until four or five o'clock every day. Yeah. And I found that as you get a little older. Food affects you so much. So if I, let's say uh, this morning I trained like 10 people. If I would have eaten, you know, oatmeal and eggs, I would have felt like taking a nap. But if I just go on some coffee and, you know, and get a little hungry, then, man, I'm really alert. You know, as soon as I use that food, I think of it just as like medicine, man. As soon as 5 o'clock rolls around, I, you know, I'm not, I'm going to eat. And now... I'm not having to think a whole lot after that. I've done all my thinking. I've used all my energy that I needed for the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that, Netflix. I, I, and I've dropped probably 10 pounds and, and I do that in the heat also like Marty does, but I think oh, I'm going yeah. to do it. I can't eat enough to meet my calorie requirements to, to, to right. keep that weight up. And when I start at five o'clock, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm not going to eat 3000 calories from five to seven. I'm not going to do that because, um, no, and 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 again, uh, it's it's not the not the time of the season. It's not February, dude. And, and I think more. In, this is just conjecture here, but as you age, the seasons of pushing and backing off and gaining and losing are more important or more precise to you yep. than when yep. you're when you're younger. You know, your body yeah. adjusts to those seasons and what it needs. You have a almost innate feeling of what you need during the different seasons, hot, cold, spring, than you do when you're younger. But it may also be just you're more in tune with your body because you're more experienced. I don't know. 
Oh yeah, there's all kinds of conjecture about it. I That's mean, it could awful, just be awful. an in, in, inherent genetic coding from our 800,000 years yeah. of evolution before the advent of agriculture. Yeah, I mean, Ori makes a lot yeah. of sense with his philosophy, man. Hoffman. Oh yeah, I tell you, man. I, Ori gave Ori. We're talking about Ori Hoffmeckler, who really Ori. started the whole inter, intermittent fasting revolution. Ori was the first to uh, uh, illuminate the whole the whole idea, and he was very very intellectual. We we need to get him on very very precise. And the whole he gave me permission not to eat. Right. It's a relief. Right. Until, it's a relief. Yes. Oh, remember, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And it's like, yeah. no, it isn't. It's the worst meal of the day. Yeah. Okay. Eating becomes a job. You know, uh, well, it becomes why? a job because when we're back in the day, I'm still eating every three hours. But, you know, back in the day, it was every two hours. And you're trying to stuff yourself with like steak or chicken and rice. And you don't even want it half the time and you have to force feed yourself and you're practically gagging. So it becomes a job. Yeah. Um, well, no I've, kidding. But, but also because you, you dummies didn't know how to cook. So everything was steam this and, and boiling no, that. Cooked. And I mean, it was I barbecued. Like prison food, right? Oh, okay. I, great. So I like barbecued bar, bar, barbecue chicken breast six times a day, but, but you know what? White, I, white rice, rice and broccoli. But I feel as you get older, I just don't want to eat all that food. Yeah. I mean, I'm still I'm still trying to uh, eat every three hours because I'm still lifting hard. So I'm trying to eat every three hours, but it's much smaller. Sometimes I'll just, well, two or three times a day for my meal, I'll just have a shake. You know, it's low calorie. It's yeah, that's not, yeah that's, not, that's not, that's not really eating. That's just, yeah, 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 exactly. Consuming. And that, Ori is totally down with that. He's, he's a big gum. Um, He's a big proponent of post-workout replenishment. Yeah. R right. Whether it's a meal or his uh, shake. Or he has excellent product, too. He has this super clean uh, protein powder in these yeah. bars. Incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, we need to get him on. So what, what was the question again? Oh, with the age, how we... As your age, the, the all that yeah. high yeah. calorie and all that necessary. Uh -oh. Also, your thermostat gets turned down. You're not set at 90 degrees anymore and just ripping through fuel. Now you're set at about 28. <laughs> Jimmy, you're, you're at 45. No. Uh, let's see. Uh, JP, you're, you're still at 61. Okay. So, I'm at, like I said, at 28, that, you, know, you, you, you don't need the calories yeah. to maintain. Uh, it used to be like I could inhale a rack of ribs. I mean, that was just like, I mean, you know, worth the, you know who ate all the cornbread? You, you know, that was nothing. <laughs> now, right now, a rack of ribs, and I'm like, whoo, somebody having some windows. Is it hot in here? You know, it's like I'm full. So, but, but, which is a good thing. But I also mimic Jimmy's. I take my first meal between 2.30 and 3 o'clock. But, again, I'm up at. Yeah, that's later in the day four, for you. Four. Yes. I'm, up, I'm up at 4 a.m. I mean, right. I'm, I'm work, working by four. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what I do. But you know, like, like I'm having coffee and I'm having, you know, if I have a tough workout, I have a, a Perillo shake with whole milk, man. That is delicious. That, I look forward what? to that. That protein never makes you tired. It's the, I know food. I get, I get a, I get a, I get, I drink the milk and the powder and I get a boom, I get an energy jolt yeah. from it. Yeah. yeah. 
if, if, you know, and somebody who wants to try that, don't be afraid to have a shake or even, uh, you know, a, a handful of turkey breast, at, you know, deli or whatever. It, that's not going to do it. it. It's when you sit down and have the heavy stuff that that's when your energy and your cognitive function goes way down, man. It's like my body's dealing with digesting all this stuff and my blood sugar is all going crazy. You're, uh, you know, you're leaden. You're, you're leaden, leaden in every way. Yeah, you know, yeah, and when, sluggish. when I do the, the severe dieting stuff, I'm more alert when I'm hungry, man. I yep. always figured it yep. was because I was supposed to be out hunting for food, and that was like yep. an envi uh, evolutionary thing. Like, okay, be a, be awake, be aware, because you're you yep. know you got to feed, you got to feed. Jim, you are out Light hunting food. for food. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But <laughs> Light, lightness equals alertness. No question. Truly. No question. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there's also a time to be ponderous and, you know, muscled up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so when you, two, when you side, two, two sides of the same coin. When you mention that, that I think of flannel shirts, stews, and a fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's all, winter, mm. Yeah. That's wintertime. Yeah, that sounds man. nice. Heavy food. Yeah. You know, it's a. Does everybody else finish the roast duck? <laughs> Yeah. Are you done, Matt? Are are you are you are, have you finished that, JP? You're done. You're done with the crab cakes. <laughs> I have two. I have two daughters, right? So anytime we go somewhere to eat, they'd always have like they only eat like half, and I uh, love, yeah, I I'd, I'd vacuum theirs off. You know, vacuum oh, mine you, down. You, you were paying I'd, for. I'd say to my wife, "Are you done with that chicken breast?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, score. A lot of times, especially when you're an experienced dieter, you have the ability to say to yourself, do I really need that right now? Just because, just because the kids are eating ice cream cones, I don't, I don't really need that ice cream cone, do I? You know, because in an hour, I got to, you know, answer my emails and da-da-da, do this. So it's going to make me feel like crap, you know? Yeah. So it's like when you get older, you don't want the hangover, so you don't <laughs> stop before one beer is, you know, the two months. Right. Yeah, man, man, man. Sorry. Anyway, let's go to another question. Next? That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> how about a, how about a, let's talk about a breathing question. Now this is a question that I've always had too, but this guy happened to ask it and it's a good one. Uh, so prior to a big lift, how should we be breathing? Should we take deep breaths to flood the body with more oxygen or should we take long, slow breaths or short, quick ones? What do we want to do before a big lift? We want to, I agree with that. I, I will tend for 30 seconds. Well, I will take real deep breaths. Okay. But it depends, you know, how far be before the lift. I mean, there's different stages of breathing depending on how close you come to the actual lift. And once you're under the actual lift, the breathing changes again. Right, Jim. Right. Yeah. yeah. Different phases. Like, like if you've got, if you're, uh, if you're in a competition and the guy goes, Oh, you're third out, right. You're, you're in the hole. Well, you know, you've got about three minutes. Well, that uh, demands a certain type of breathing. That no, 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 a little early, a little early, Kirk. No, 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 no. Don't get ready. And he's fine. Right. He's he's an old pro. He's sitting there. He's bouncing back and forth. He's got that. You know, I want to rock and roll. You know, whatever. The kiss song is going in the earphones. Right. He's got the earphones going. He's he's. Oh, now he's you know on deck. Okay, Kirk, you got. And I'll, I'll hold two fingers up. And, he don't have to take his headphones off. You know, he's got about two minutes. Okay, great. Well, now he's, you know, cranking up a little more, right? And then I'll go, okay, 
you're up, let's go. Off come the headphones, you know, you know, bang, me and Bob walk out to the chalk box, you know, and bang, off he goes. But, and then when he hits that platform and throws his hands overhead and makes that scream, then he goes into that, you know, that mega breath thing. So it's like, I don't know, uh, intense, intenser, intensest, the most intense thing I've ever seen in my life, right? <laughs> right? The, the, like the phases of Kirk, and each phase has, is accompanied with a highly specific and different breath pattern. When he throws his hands up, he's about, what, 10 seconds out from the actual lift, right? No, he'd be right for it. He, or he'd grab that bar and he'd shake it and he'd make that, that yell, that yell of right. man who would knock the girders down. It was like Aretha Franklin was screaming or something, man. He'd <laughs> grab that bar and shake the, shake the hell out of it. And they had screaming. Every, those Europeans loved him. They, there'd be a whole auditorium of Europeans. When he did that, they'd all stand up and start yelling. Every other American, they hated. Mm. They loved him. <laughs> No, it was the best when he was going to deadlift and he'd throw his hand, he'd, he'd, he'd throw his hands up and look up into the heavens like, well, that know, like he was the ultimate a, warrior or something. I, I, well, actually, that had, a, high, that had a, a, a real reason behind it. What we found is that he was being short on breath when yeah, he was grabbing his deadlift. So as a, way to, as a way to open the top part of his lungs, I, we said, look, throw your hands overhead and then behind you and opens up the top of your lungs and so he screams out and then breathes in and then scoops down and on that breath one two go right so there was a real strategy behind that that actually improved performance okay well that's a, interesting a, a breath, i never heard a, that a, a breath strategy I used huh. to and a quickness strategy Kirk had to pull his deadlifts fast because his yeah, grip yeah. was very limited. So it was like, we, we can't struggle with any deadlift. Well, from the time it breaks the floor, you got about a second and a half to lock it out. Past that, you're going to lose it at the top because of grip. So it's like, okay, all right, what do we got to do? Well, you got to load up in the air up top. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a little shallow when he was trying to set down at the bottom. Load up big first. Okay, now go down. One, two, bang, right? Quick, quick, quick. You know how when you go get your blood pressure taken and you can reduce your blood pressure by just closing your eyes and focusing on slowing your breathing down? I used to do that. I'm just trying to think of what I, I used to do. Because I don't think I did that consciously. You know, I would, really, I would just, if I was getting too excited too early for a lift, that's what I would do. I would, you know, yes. slow it down, <laughs> slow yeah. the breathing. Because yeah. you can always and, bring it back and, up again. That's not going to be a problem. Yes. You know? And, ro and rookies invariably get excited too early for too that. soon. Yeah, we talked about that. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're exhausted when they get to the bar. Do we put you to uh, sleep, JP? So, no. So to get back to my question real quick. So am I doing myself any good before a lift, say a bench press or whatever, uh, to sit there on the bench, you know, 20 seconds before and take really deep breaths and get that oxygen in there? I think that makes sense. It, it makes common well, sense. In competition, in competition, you're not allowed. So you, you don't have 20 seconds to sit in the end of the bench in competition. In, in, in training, I don't know. I guess so, right? I don't need that yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. That's get a the, long time. Get the you just kind of – you do your, most of your preparation standing up. You're well, especially if you're going to do – You're getting more and more fired up, right? You're looking yeah. get that, 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 lay down, bam, set up, bam, push that. Oh, we exhale as we push it off the rack. If you're benching, you exhale, bang, right? 
Now you're all set up. Big inhale, <laughs> in, brown, work it down. Bang, you go. Yeah. Right. Well, I think I think uh, what I'm saying makes makes more sense too. If you're doing like a high rep set, if you're if you're getting set for a set of like you know a squats for like 20 reps, you know that really 20. gasses oh you my out. God, nah, we don't know anybody who does that. Jim Steele. <laughs> Jim Steele, do you ever do that, Jim Steele? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because when you talk about the breath, you know, your body sort of takes over when you're doing those high reps. You know, you're you're constantly saying, okay, I got to take a breath. And your body's like, no, I'm going to breathe this way right now. You know what I mean? When it gets mm -hmm. to that point where you're going. You know, you're always, it's a, the, the, conscious, the conscious mind fights you for control of the steering wheel. Jim, on a high rep set like that, of let's say you're doing squats or hack squat or whatever, you know how we talk about taking the one half breath? Yeah. Did you say half squat? You said yeah, half we squat. talked about those before, yeah. Hack, no, hack no. squat. Oh, hack squat. Oh, thank you. Hack, yeah, hack yeah, yeah. Okay. No, we don't thank do half you. anything, right? Oh, thank so you, right. can you, so on rep, you know, 15 and above, can you still get that one rep done in one single breath? It depends on the way that kills me. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, no, I, I always I think go like two, I think two. that'd be. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think that could be dangerous. I think that could be dangerous. <laughs> I think so, man. Dude, I think you'd pass no, out. No, 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 The, the Kowalski one breath per rep, man. That's only made for like up to eight, Five. maybe yeah. ten reps. That's it. Pass that, yeah. and you risk asphyxiating yourself and passing out with the weight of your shoulders. Yeah. Well, see, okay, you want somewhere. that, this man. I'll blow so, out. I'm talking about. Go. I'm sorry, man. I keep interrupting you, Marty. Go ahead. Well, in the in the super high rep, past rep twelve, you're like might be huffing five breaths per rep to make okay. twenty. That was the old breathing squat style. But right? you mean you just stand after. there? Yeah. If you if you huff enough breaths, you can always get another rep in the squats. Now, I'm not talking with five hundred pounds. But I mean, if you've got like 225 in your back or something, you just stand there and you huff it out. Now, you always have your safety supports, you know. Never squat without safety supports. I don't even like spotters, man. I've seen some spaced out spotters that are not good in the squat. Dude, if they're uh, not but the safety, the safety racks are always there, man. You can always ride it down to the pins yeah. and bail out. Safety first. So, we like that. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jimmy. Now with the with the I was just thinking what I do. So at the lighter weights, I blow out twice forcefully and quickly at the top, then take a big one. If I was doing those sets of twenty or whatever, I would do like four four, you know, or and then yeah, yeah. then take the huge the huge breath. You know? So like four shallows and then one giant? Well, it would be I'd be blowing out. I I would blow out and then suck in. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the blowouts are like like quick kind of. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like I'm blowing out a really rapid. hard blowout candle. Yeah. Right, rapid fire. Yeah, got it. Right. Okay, and then the big, long, huge, as much and, as and you it's possible one handle. Perfect thing to think about and to say that people you're training with or you're training suck the air out of the room. So even on that 18th yep. rep, you're still going to say that. Yes. Fill up. Take the air out of the room. Suck all the oh, air out of the room. That really helps people, man. Really. And I, you know, I will also say, I'll also yell at them, lift your shoulders. Yeah, it's got to like, be a big yeah. down. The, the weight's got them all burnt over and hunched down, and you can't get a breath in your lung if you're hunched yeah. over with a barbell on your back. Hey, what a difference, though. Hey, Marty, when you put an 800 on your back versus like 405, when you've got 800, you know, you got to try really hard to take a breath, man. 
especially the first time you put that weight on your back. You've never felt that. Yeah. It's crushing. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, know? you can't. You can't. You can't. I mean, it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that's something, and people aren't used to that. When they it's first horrible. get heavy weight on your, their back, uh -huh. you're like, listen, here's how it's going to feel. This is normal. If you don't tell them, they freak out, man. You know? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another little secret is that with is that the the super heavy poundage also teaches you the correct descent and ascent. And it's real simple. The correct descent is straight down because that's where gravity wants to take a bar that's a barbell that's heavier than you or strong. And then you want to take it straight back up because that's the straightest line. Any variation, if it gets an inch forward or an inch backward, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. But we make the, Jimmy likes my analogy. It's like big wave surfing as opposed to little little wave surfing. Like in Hawaii, you know, riding a, a 20 footer or, or getting towed out and riding a, a 50 footer. You don't do, you know, 360s. <laughs> You just ride. You just ride it, right? And, and one mess up, and you could be dead. And when you have eight eight hundred and fifty pounds in your back, one mess up, and you might have spotters, but I don't know, man. Sometimes it just happens so fast yeah. that guys can't catch it. And it's four hundred four hundred plus pounds per side. It's a lot of weight. And so again, it teaches you straight down, uh, straight up, right? It's different with 315. You can kind of hot dog it around, and you know, you know, let the bar get in front of the shoulders and all that stuff. But but with the really really heavy stuff, it's it teaches you with a big stick. Yeah. Hey, one question uh, related to that: When someone is uh, spotting you on a squat from behind, how do you? Where is the hand position? Where do you guys prefer them to put their hands? I want real quick. Bar. First, first off, first off, I don't like a one person behind spot. I like one person on each side spot. Yeah, that's the best. Well, that's not always possible, though. Right. Well, oh, well then, uh, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that is the always the preference. Always. Okay. Sure. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I would say. You Thank know, Jim. Number one, if you you got to squat with safety racks. If you don't, if you only have one spot yeah. and he's behind you, you got to have the safety yeah. racks too. Because first of all, I don't yeah. like it when guys put their arms under your underarms and lift you because oh, what God. it does is it no. the bar no, no. i know but you see it and all the have, time and, and they I, have no leverage when they grab it from up high the uh i had a training partner one time build a wrestler and uh he was doing that and the guy dropped it off his back and broke his forearm you know dropped oh, it man. on bill's forearms um, so i broke my that's how i broke my left lower leg is that right with 700 pounds with 700 yeah. pounds yeah <clears throat> that ended my big league career. Yeah. I mean, the Age problem 30, 33. The problem with spotters is if they're not locked in, man, I'd rather not have them. You know, I, I want, exactly. and then you'll get these stupid, you know, I, you're training people and then, oh, they're, they're touching the bar. They have their hands on the plates. I'm like, what are you doing? That little oh, tiny God. little bit of pressure is going to screw him up. The little tiny I bit, know. a little less on this side, a little more on that side, and he's going to get hurt. I know. So you have to oh, say also, 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 don't forget when one of the guys really picks it up to put it back in the rack. Oh, hate it. One side picks up, one side doesn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't yeah. touch oh, it. The other, like, side don't goes, touch it. Don't the, other side, the other side goes down and almost comes off your back. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, wait, wait. Yes, wait. yes. There's a shirt. You ever had a – One of the guys I trained, uh, this kid who plays baseball at college, 
has a shirt that says don't touch it it's great yeah. <laughs> don't oh, touch I, like it, that. Man. I like that yeah i like that you, you ever you ever had a guy spotting you on the squat and he's like all right you need you need uh you need his help on the last one right so yeah. just a little bit and the guy swoops in and he's like bear hugging you oh my god and you can't push up it and down to the pins you go hopefully you got the pins in yeah. but yeah. uh hopefully you got the pins yeah <laughs> i've had that happen once or twice and they just come in and their whole body is against you and you can't get your leverage and you can't press up it's uh all on him all right so where i prefer right. is what? just for them to grab you by the by the like the the rib cage or up up a, a little bit and just stay you know keep their body separated from yours and just you know give you that gentle lift straight up yeah well that's a 10 minute that's a 10 minute uh explanation to the spotter they don't do that yeah <clears throat> Speaking of half squats, which you mentioned a few oh, minutes God. ago, uh, mm. talk about partial rack work like uh, Brad Gillingham uses. Now, Brad has been on before. He's talked about uh, his dad, Gail Gillingham, back in the day who played for the Green Bay Packers. He did a lot of partial squats and, and different things like that. And I think Brad does them too, doesn't he? He does a lot of rack work. Yeah, about partial squats, but he does partial deadlifts. Just partial deads, mainly for mainly for grip and lockout. Yeah, yeah. I think the yeah. most inter, the most interesting use of the rack I ever heard was that uh, Don Reinhout. Yeah, who was an ancient super heavyweight world champion, big giant guy, six three, three sixty, and he had a power rack built where he would start his deadlifts off one inch from lockout. And then each week he would lower it one inch. Oh, he would use the poundage that he intended on hitting in the meet. So let's say it was 880. So he would start in week one pulling 880 one inch for as many reps as he could. And then each week he would lower it an inch. And over whatever, the 16 to 20 weeks, whatever the cycle was, he would eventually be down to floor height. I always thought that was kind of cool and logical. Similar to Anderson, right? Sort of like that. Didn't he do something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing what he, Paul would throw dirt in the hole. But now what he's doing now he was doing squats, I think. He would do yeah. He'd dig a hole and do partial squats and then throw dirt in the hole till he was doing squats level with the ground. So that was the original yeah. rack work. That was rack work before racks were built. Yeah. But uh, how about you, Jim? You ever use them for anything? Yeah, for for deads. I don't like the mm -hmm. bench. Um, now, I've used no, the board on know. my chest and the bench, but I, I just, I, you know, I probably didn't give it a good enough shot, but it just didn't help me. And the it rack doesn't work. Con it, doesn't, it doesn't convert. No, I think that helps when you re re wear a tight shirt. It probably helps more. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. And then when you, you know how you come down on the pins, I never, that threw, really crushed my biceps tendonitis when I did that on that heart, on the steel on steel, you know, that, I didn't like that. But now for the deadlifts, and we talked about this, I would, when I would walk up to the bar and get set, the bar would be set right below my knees. And I would do you know, heavy, heavy singles with that. Now, I think a lot of it was mental because when I could do 800 in that, I, 700 felt a lot better off the floor. Um, yes. But I think it also increases your muscle mass in your upper back and your traps and all that stuff, which probably contributes to the getting stronger, also bigger surface now, area. Did you, did you do it? Every week, was it in addition to your regular dead? Or no, I would, that would be a cycle. So I, would, 
when I was doing those, I wouldn't regular dead. I'm just, okay, I'm going to okay. do three or four weeks of racks. Then I would go back from the floor. And you're just doing singles? Yeah. just Well, you know, the warm-ups would be fives and all that. But, uh, you know, I'd go like seven, seven for a single, 750 for a single, 800 for a single, something like that. Okay. I, I was and doing the same once, thing. I used once to, a week? Yeah, once a week. Oh, yeah, always deadlift once okay. a week. Mm-hmm. I used to love doing those. I didn't do singles. I did um, – I think the lowest reps I did was uh, sixes. Yeah. Okay. Would you use straps or, or open-handed, regular straps? I was using straps. Yeah, double overhand okay. with straps. Yeah. Double overhand with straps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, the grip the grip stuff and the deadlift lockout stuff has survived. Back in the day when it was originally introduced, they were introducing it as you would do three positions. Mm. in each lift you'd break the lifts down into three different sections like a uh you know first third middle third and then lockout third right and so we did this this stuff pretty religiously and the strategy was is you go one rep two rep three rep hold the third rep in the top of the pin hold it hold it hold it until you couldn't hold it anymore and then the weight would come back down yeah then you go to the middle position, one rep, two rep, three reps, same thing, hold it until it pushes you back in, and then the lockout. The problem was is that we, we, it never really converted. Yeah. Right? We would go back to our regular lifting. It was like, well, we're kind of the same. <laughs> now, the deadlift, the, yeah, I mean, you know, we were expecting to see like, oh, you know, this is going to jump, jump our lifts up, you know, 40, 50 pounds. Right. This is going to be great, you know, and, and we were very conscientious about it, but it just, and the, I love the idea. I like the, the isotonic idea of hold that third rep against the rack and then push. I, I mean, that is some overload. Yeah. Right. It was intense and it was like, Oh man, this is going to make us so much stronger. We're just going to be beast. Who knows? Maybe it helped uh, strengthen tendons and ligaments, which, right helped in in my injury freeness you know uh i would say we probably did them for a couple of years regular part of our, our act right yeah yeah um, that's what i'm saying i don't know if it was mental or just because i increased muscle mass um but you know both jim yeah some of it you know and i used to do walk see and i would do walkouts you know hadfield was big on walkouts and i was reading all his stuff so i remember when i was going to philly 97 for the nationals uh I fred, fred had t- fred had terrible problems with walkouts did he yeah but that was his deal because oh, so you would God. just you would go 120 percent over your max and just take it off the rack stand out can't stand up walk back count the five yeah. and then walk back in um yeah with now, the pins the pin the pin set right you know like three inches below so if you collapse it'll catch right exactly exactly yeah. I, yeah. I, I tried them yeah. but sort of like what you're saying I didn't really see the transfer. I didn't. I didn't really see it. But you know, the racks. Well, did. I guess if you if you did it every week, you know, when you got to the meet, I guess you'd be. They would. The weight would not. You'd feel. You'd know what the weight felt like. I like that. You yeah. know, I guess. But it's a big pain in the ass to load it up. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you put it at the end of the workout. You know, it's just like yeah. uh, you know, we're gonna skip that. We're gonna skip that today. You know, it gets skipped a lot. Rack work gets skipped a lot. I think. What else we got? Uh, how about squatting and deadlifting programs for novices? Now, we've talked many times before. You you train a novice a lot like you would, uh, you know, some of these professional guys, right? I mean, similarities are 
are pretty much there, right? It's just a different weight that you use and probably less warm-ups because they're using a lot less weight. But talk about that for a second. What's the difference? Oh, Jim's, got, Jim's got experience up the yin-yang on this, Jimmy. Come yeah, on. I mean, I, I, I think... You, you got young trainees at home. Yeah, yeah well, Max is eight. Yeah. And he's been looking. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All over. Um, I think the most important thing, this may sound crazy, is having a trained eye with them. It's The program is important, no question. But having that trained eye of, okay, you can go up five pounds, or okay, let's stay here, or okay, near, you stick your butt out a little more. Or, you know, I think that for a novice is super important, whether they're doing, you know, uh, you know, squatting twice a week or once a week or whatever, having that, that trained eye where you can say, that's the right groove. Okay, now we're doing it right. Okay, now you feel that on your feet where that pressure is, that's what you want every single time. You know, oh, you got, you got it. I could see a little space under your heels. Here's what I want you to do this time. You know, that, I think that brings their progress yeah. way up. Um, so a coach yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's expert coaching. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, you know, as far as the deadlift goes once a week, you could do now squatting with a, with a novice, we would have one big day of squats and the second day, let's say Monday would be a big day of squats and maybe bent over rows the second day when you deadlift just to keep that fresh in the neuromuscular system where they say, Oh, I haven't gone a week and felt this. Then we would do like a light squat, maybe, you know, 70%, three sets of five and that's it. But now that warms them up for the deadlift as they get stronger and older. Now you can cut that out because now your body knows I put that bar on my back. I know the groove that I need to squat in. Um, and, and also you give them a hundred percent more practice. You're yeah. doing it twice. They get they get to practice squatting twice a week instead of once a week. Right, right. And that's Which they need. They need they need more practice at it. So it's a delicate uh, balancing act. Yeah. I mean, are you having the novice? Are you having the novice work up to one all out set on both lifts? After a while, I throw mm -hmm. that in after a while, and it's only it's it's only like, uh, you know, we'll go like 65, 75, 85 as many as you can, as far as percent okay. of your one rep max. So yeah. And they love that. They love that. But until you can, you can see their form and say, that's not a good rep, you know, that's you're yeah. rounding your back, stop the set, that kind of or, thing. Or, or until their form solidifies. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Until they're, they're like, we always say grease in the groove until your groove is, is greased, then, uh, you know, you probably don't want to do it. Yeah. I want them. Okay. There's a huge deal about this. You know, let's just talk about the squat. The setup is so important. You have to do the setup correctly. So I'm always saying, oh, you got the bar on your back? Why did you set up differently than if you had 300 on your back? Do the same thing every single time. It doesn't matter. And, you know, then when they get to three, 400, you're like, treat it like the bar. Do everything just like, you know, now your body knows. It's, you know, they go under, they're sort of, you know, they're, they're not getting, you know, they're not stacking their pelvis. They're not doing all the stuff they're supposed to do that we talk about. Um, to get them to just grease it all. And they're, they're, they're texting between sects, talking to people, sloppy. Yeah. Uh, it's just warm-ups, you know, and uh, it's not, that's, that's, they can't do that. Right. Right. I mean, let me, Jim, let me ask you on, uh, when you're teaching a novice um, how to deadlift, I mean, will you teach them conventional every time? Yeah. Or how would you determine if you're going to teach a sumo or a conventional? I don't mess with sumo, man. I don't mess with so sumo. So you don't even sumo. Okay. They're going to start cleaning eventually. And so we're going to get their deadlifts way up. And then uh, mm -hmm. that transfers right over into the bottom position of the clean. Um, and then, you know, 
if you're safe with them, once you teach the conventional, sumo is easy to learn to me. Yeah. You know, it's pretty natural movement for people once they learn how to do the conventional because the conventional, the low back is, is so important to protect. So you have to really do a lot of sets and correct reps with that, you know? Yeah. Now, will you teach uh, for the grip? Will you teach an over-under? Will you teach you go a double, hook? Or... You go double overhand for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And then I teach them the hook and the over-under. Yeah. Um, you know, I really like the hook grip, but, you know, when I got the 700, I lost the bar, but I never lost the bar with an over-under. So I can't right. say it's the best thing. But if, then again, I probably had a little prejudice against it. Like, man, why, why am I doing this when I got pull 740 with this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it does shorten the pull. It's probably better for your shoulders and all that. And you won't tear a bicep doing it. But, uh, you know, once they start to lose their grip, that's when I give them the choice of, of hook grip or over-under. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how Gillingham's always done. He's always done the hook grip forever. And uh, when did he switch to that, Marty? No, 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 no. That's your, I don't know, ten, ten years ago or something. He, you know, he just late nineties. Uh, yeah, Brad is a very innovative and um, uh, he's a curious guy, and, and and he explores a lot of different methods. That took a lot of courage because he was already a, a world level right. deadlifter, and to, and to mess with your technique at that point is risky, you know, so it was, it was, it was cool. But, you know, he's got the hands for it too. He's got hands like the size of Volkswagen. So, I mean, you know, he can really grab onto that bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like a spaghetti strand to him. <laughs> right. It's not fair. He should use a thicker bar. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of those fat bars. How about, um, all right, here's one for you, Marty. Or, or Jim, or both, whatever. Uh, how best to choose openers uh, in your second and third attempts at a, at a meet for squat, squat bench, deadlift? Um, so how, how do you go about choosing that? Well, you have to know, you know, who, who you're there with and what their lifts yeah, are. Yeah, also, also what their level is. You know, is this a, yeah. did, did he make any reference to the level? Is this a beginner, an intermediate, an advanced because it would be um, right? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, we should probably – it's such a – I can't – I can't really give a generalized answer on that because it, it is so dependent specific. on how experienced they are and whether we're dealing with a 500-pound squatter or, you know, they, yeah. you deal differently with a 700-pound guy and you deal yeah. differently with a 900-pound guy, you know. So it's just mm -hmm. like it, – it, there's no yeah, – it's a little, little too general. For me, I always, anyway, Jim. I always wanted to be – if it's kid's first couple meets, we're going to open with something you could triple. We want to show the judge yeah, yeah, that we're going to yeah. we're going to freaking hit that thing rock bottom. There's never going to be a question yeah. about my form. Yeah. The yeah. next time they come up, they won't look at you quite as closely either. If you if you're oh, this is the kid who crushes it. This is the kid who's deep as hell. Yeah, yeah, you're you're damn well going to bury this thing, and that will put first impressions of the strongest. Right. That puts the impression in the judge's mind. Then we don't need to do no presupposing about what our seconds and thirds will be because we're going to put you in with a triple. I mean, if you can't do a single with the weight you tripled right. in training, you really need to pack your bags and go home anyway. And it's a and that's what I tell that that's, and that's that's what I tell the guys. I say if you can't do a single opener and crush it, and I mean bury it or hold it on your chest or rip it, then that's ridiculous. And uh, you need to go home. So they go out, you take their opener, and then you look at it right. as a coach and lifter. Oh, what do you think? 
and they'll go, oh, 25. And I go, eh, I'm thinking like 15, you know? And, right. and again, it depends on their level. If it's Kirk, I'm listening a lot harder than if it's, um, you know, Barry at the, at, you know, who, you know, who's doing four, four twenty five. Right. It's different. Right. So, but, but regardless, Jimmy, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, you're right. And, and when somebody's experienced, they can squeeze out, they know what they have in them a lot more than a, than a kid who's just starting off. You know, um, I was just trying Kirk to think. And I, Kirk, Kirk and I, when we co-coach, we'll co-coach somebody. And we've done this every year. Some, some we'll train, you know, like, we tra- you know, the guys that we train on Sunday and Kirk yeah. will come and we'll coach. And I'll go, all right. And we'll look at the, 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 the guy we'll have lifted. We'll go, I'll go, all right, what's your number? And, and I, I swear to God, within 90% of the time, we call the identical same number, regardless of the lifter, regardless whatever level they're at. Yeah. And, you know, because it's like we're both very – you always feel good when you make eight out of nine or nine out of nine attempts. And you always feel terrible if you go four for nine, even if you get PRs and And it's, yes. Yes. And it's better to, to just leave a little bit on the table than have a bunch of close misses. No, I agree. And then they, they're relieved after they get that first attempt in. Now you're in the meat. Now you don't have to worry about, you know, and then you're like, now this one, I want you to cut it a little bit. And they're like, really? I said, oh, yeah, just listen for me. <laughs> and they'll still be squatting two, two to three inches below parallel. Everybody else is squatting two inches high, yeah. right? And because, because that's the way we train. You know, we bring our squats up. We train our squats from the bottom up. Everybody else trains their squats from the top down. Yeah. Right. So it makes is, it very it- easy to go to competition. In a meet, is it always the coach that calls the weights? Uh, yeah. It depends on how good of a coach you have and how much, you know. If or if you have a coach. Most people don't yeah. even have a coach. Yeah. Okay. But now Marty and Kirk, they've been together so long, they're on the same wavelength. You know, Kirk will say, oh, 930. Yeah, right. Yep, 930. Yep. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. Next. Nope. No. Nope. A lot of times, a lot of times we don't even tell the lifter. This is like the, the, the kid makes the lift and we look at each other and, and like he like it was 405. I'll go, uh, 425. He goes, yeah, 425. And we don't even, <laughs> we don't tell the kid, we just turn it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Marty, and then, they, and then they crush it. Marty, you've called the weights on, you know, in some of the biggest lifts in, in history. I mean, with oh, Cone God, and yeah. Kirk and, I mean, Scary. So, as a, so as a coach, I mean, that's got to be a huge <laughs> amount of pressure on you. The biggest is when oh Colin tells Marty, Colin tell Marty, don't tell me what you what you called. Don't tell me. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <it out. laughs> right. just the greatest powerless that ever lived, and I'm in charge of the whole freaking thing. Yeah. And he's at his peak, and it's six months of work on the line. And, again, he just asked me, like, two days ago that he needed me to cut. Yeah, it's just so much pressure. And then he looks at me, and he goes, you pick the weight. I don't want to know. <laughs> but you weren't even in his training sessions though right no no so out of the blue you're no. having to call his numbers yeah yeah oh my that's God. well you know i grabbed his boys because you know eddie always has a <laughs> has a, a, a wonderful posse of guys with them all his guys travel with him so you know we like all right all right we're getting 
you know, and I suck it. And, you know, you come up and, and I'd say, listen, you know, we're going to, um, you know, nine twenty something conservative, like, Oh, that, well, for him, uh, yeah, that, you know, like 900 is a five. Right. So, I mean, it's, you're in the stratosphere. It's even hard to figure out. So, you, you know, and, uh, he missed a squat, my call. He, he, when he totaled 2,400, he made a 9.59 second attempt, but he missed a third, I think with, I don't know, 73 or something. Uh, did he make all his benches? I think he made all his benches, and yeah, he made all his deadlifts, but, you know, it, uh, it's not uh, anything uh, I wanted to do again, uh, and I did do it again. Um, you know, we did it, did it one more time. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that was, uh, and you know, if I had, if I had totally messed it up, you know, like he had bombed out in the squats, then, you know, one of these boys probably would have shoved the pistol across the table and shut the door and said, do the right thing, Marty. And <laughs> did they, did they ever question the weight? Did, did Cone or Karwaski no, no, ever no, no. question the weight? Well, no, they're different they're different people, you know, and, you know, Kirk was very involved, you know, I, you know, okay. How do you feel? What do you think? And, you know, he'd pick a weight, he'd pick a weight. Yeah. And say, all right, go with that. Right. But he had the last, he had the last okay. say always. Yeah. He's Kirk. I don't overrule Kirk. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't overrule any lifter. Any lifter gets the last say. Now at the world championships, the, the rule was that the United States coaches picked the first two lifts for the lifter. And then the third lift, the lifter was allowed to pick whatever he wanted to go to. Okay. So when, when we went to the worlds, when you're working with the Dave Jacoby or Dan Austin, well, no, obviously you'd ask them, Hey, what do you think? But we all we're saying is we want to be conservative at the worlds and the first two openers, because you guys are sure winners and there's no need for you to, you know, open in the deadlift with what you did at the nationals. Cause you've got to go against Joe Ladnier yeah. and different right? judges. And they're, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're super strict. They hate Americans and you know what I mean? They, they boo and whistle and, we come out the lip. So it's just like, so I think we're going to open with like 766, you know, instead of 832, which they do at the nationals. And they're fine with it because they've been there, you know, because those guys have been there so many times before they know the deal. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know how we got spun off into that, but yeah, it depends on the level of the athlete, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I thought this was a good question. We're kind of on the subject now. So, um, Marty or or both of you, who would be on your powerlifting dream team from the lightest to heaviest? What do you think? Yeah, (laughs) Marty, I would say only IPF, only USPF. Oh well, that's 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 the only place I have really experience. Right. I don't, I don't know. The little guys, it's hard to say, you know, the, you had Phil, Phil Heil. I worked with Phil. He was either 114 or I guess that means he, uh, he was 123. I never worked with a knob. I never saw him lift. Oh, okay. So I can't comment on Inaba. He was a little before me, you know, and, but you can't, I mean, I can only say the guys that I worked with, you know, and, okay. and at 32, okay. yeah, I worked with Lamar, right? 
Lamar Dan. Right. At forty at forty eight, Dan Austin. I guess also Danny at sixty five, right? At eighty one, I don't know. No, I never worked with a really really well. Um if you want to count I don't know, let me see. I worked I didn't work with Mike Bridges, but I worked with Bob Bridges, his brother, when he lifted ADFPA. Then at ninety eight a bunch of guys. Um well, Ed was at 98. I didn't work with Ed when he was at 98. I only started with him at 220. Uh, uh, who's a 98-er? Because they're strong dudes, man. Uh, well, again, when I came on the scene, Ed was lifting 98, and everybody was fleeing that class, right? <laughs> All the good lifters. Either, well, yeah, yeah, cone flight. You'd either go down to 181 or you'd go up to 220. Right. Because it's like when, when Ed – moved his body weight from 181 to 198. They, asked, they, they, they told the, the top guy in 198, I forget who, who he was at the time. I'd say it was Roger Estep. They said, well, Eddie Cohn's going to move up from 181 to 198. And he responded, well, that's bad effing news for the rest of us. Yeah. And Estep <laughs> was wrong, too. <laughs> oh, world record. What a great class. But, uh, okay, so uh, – 98, a little bit of a blank there. 220, of course. Uh, Cone, 242, good lifter. Dave Jacoby. I got to work with uh, uh, George Hector. Uh, incredible. Incredible guy. 275 for Ness, Kirk. Super. Uh, Mike Hall, for sure. I'm forgetting. I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. But everybody was world champion, world record holder. What was Gene Bell? What was his weight class? Gene, but see, Gene, Gene was a great 81er and 98er, but he was military lifter, right? Yeah. So he lifted for Sean Scully. So the military were always the competitions for blacks. Blacks was like the powerhouse civilian powerlift team. Right. And Sean Scully, had, they called it the combined military team. So you could be in the Air Force, you could be in the Army, you could be in the Navy. And, and they had tryouts. They had Armed Forces Championships. And if you won the Armed Forces Championships in your weight class as a power lifter, you got to, got to go to the national. Mm. And and the, the military picked up the dime, picked up the hotel, picked up the whole deal. Damn. Sean was the coach, you know, and they were strong, man. I mean, they crushed before we came on the scene. Um, but, uh, yeah, it shifted. And then when we combined forces to go to the world, it was like we won the world championships when I coached on day one. Our little guys were so strong that that they built an insurmountable deep lead, and that was uh, 123 through 181 in day one. No one could win, and we had our best lifters on day two. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was just a we were just a I don't know. We were like the uh, the dream team at the Olympics that year. <laughs> yeah. It was unstoppable. So anyway, that 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 was our but my experience, you know, it was just the you know, as a cavalcade. And and again, I've forgotten. I mean, if you talk talk longer, I guess you'd bring up, you know, well, uh, you know, what about Danny Wobler? And I go, oh yeah, Danny. How could I forget? You know what I mean? How could I forget Danny? Right? Or you bring up somebody else? I go, oh yeah. What about Hugh Cassidy. Well, yeah, Hugh. Yeah, sure. Casmeyer. No, Kaz, Kaz was on and off the scene before I came on. He wow. was up the 70s guy. Okay. You had Larry. Now I'm getting a bit of an echo here, Doc. 
So you had uh, Pacifico, Kaz, Vincinello, uh, who else? Uh, Doug Young, all those guys, those were of the 70s. Right. Right. Uh, we really came on the scene in, in the late, very late 70s and the early 80s. Doyle Kennedy was the 70s guy. All those guys uh, sort of faded out, and then the new generation came in uh, with Eddie and Doug and, you know, that, that wave. Right. Dennis Wright was of the first first wave. Uh, I coached Walter Thomas in competition. He was a great lifter, too. See what I mean? I forgot about that. He was in 181. I actually convinced Walter to go to the Worlds, and uh, he was like, what, really? You think I'd win? I said, yeah, man, I think he'd win. And then he went to the Worlds and won at age 50. Wow. So I felt good about that. That's some good lifters. He said, you're he said, you're responsible, Marty. He's from Oklahoma. He had an Oklahoma accent. He said, you're responsible, Marty. If you had to told me, I wouldn't have done it. I said, all right. So anyway, on and on we go, right? All right, good. Good thing we weren't, uh, drunk, thing we weren't, weren't drinking beer, Jim. <laughs> Jim, this one uh, is specifically for you. So run through a typical day's eating in the off-season. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I went over that earlier. Now I've been doing probably for three months now, you know, not eating uh, till four or five o'clock. And then it's usually like uh, I found these frozen meals that are mega fit or something like that. And it's rice and uh, chicken or there's steak and, and chicken, rice, all that stuff. And, all you know, he's put it in the microwave for a couple of minutes. So I'll eat one of those, one or two of those, uh, maybe some extra rice. And then uh, maybe have a steak after that, a couple hours after that. And then before I go to bed, I'll have, if my kids didn't, we get these organic pizzas for them. And if one of them didn't finish it, I'll have a couple pieces of pizza. And then that's pretty much it, a couple beers. Now that's what you're doing now in addition yeah. to uh, yeah. to your fasting through the, through the day. Right. How's your strength holding up through all that? Uh, it's okay. You know, I squatted 435 for five the other day and uh, – you know, I don't. When do you, I do the what other do, stuff, what do you what do you, you weigh in? What do you weigh? Two twenty seven. Okay, so you're you're still big. Yeah, I was like two thirty five probably when I started doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, two twenty seven yeah. now. Uh, yeah. But honestly, man, I I really don't care about my strength. I, I'm still like if I'm doing a machine or something, I still put on the most weight I can to and keep my yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is. No, and yeah. and uh, Martha Stewart's not watching. Yeah, it's whatever I can mm -hmm. do that day. So some days. I'll yeah. do the hammer row and I got three or four plates on there. And the next time I'm doing yeah. two and a half, two plates and a 25, yeah. feels like a ton. And I'm like, okay, well that's today, whatever. That's, a, that's all I got. Yep. But I'm going to give it a hundred percent of my diminished capacity. Yeah. That's your duty. That's your duty. Diminished or enhanced, you give a hundred percent. And you still get the gains because then you use those intensifiers yeah. that we talked about. You know. well, well, also it's strong enough to trigger the adaptive response, which triggers the you know the hormonal tsunami and my little phrase for all the good stuff. It triggers the afterglow, you know. But unless you have that that all out effort, where it's like I mean Herculean effort. I mean that's all I could do, man. Right. I did all I could do. I did not have another rep in me. Right now, you don't have to eat that rep to know that. But let me tell you, you know when you don't have another one in you. Right. And that's it. That's it. You're done. Right. You've done your duty, man. And again, that could be very heavy or it could be very light. It doesn't matter. You know, you're working your way up and you get up. Oh, I was going to go to 315 today, but man, 255, 
Well, you just stay there. Maybe you'll yes. get 255 for 11. Right. Because 255 is heavy. And you're like, man, there was no way. When I took the 255 out, it was like, there's no way today I'm going to do whatever, you know, 315 for eight. So it's like, I'm just going to rip this thing out and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you might get 11, 12, who knows? But you're done. You've given 100% with that 255. Okay. It's a different expression of 100% plus. Right. Jim, talk about a, uh, a regular off season. Like, you know, I have, I have a feeling these guys are talking about, you know, gaining size and, and strength. So oh. give an off day, uh, eating schedule on that. What would you, what would you, I, do? Would just, I would make sure that every meal had some type of protein. So probably like four to six eggs for breakfast. Um, I would never eat a lot of, a lot of carbs no matter what early in the day. So it'd be like eggs and bacon for breakfast. Um, you know, the second meal would probably be two or three hamburgers with a big salad mm -hmm. um, or green beans. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, man, I like eating the same stuff all the time. So if I'm sort of in that mindset where, okay, now I was trying to put, trying, really trying to put some muscle on and maybe put a couple pounds on, then I'd probably repeat that meal a couple more times, like the, the beef and the green beans. How would you finish the day up? Um, I would, I would say now if I was trying to put on some mess and I would have carbs in that last meal and, and it'd be something that wouldn't bloat me too much. I'm real good with white rice, really crappy with oatmeal. I don't like, you know, that. So, so it'd be sweet potatoes and oatmeal. And then, uh, and then I would have a red meat. So steak, ground beef, all, you know, all that stuff. So you've got to eat the carbs, but you're not overdoing it. Definitely not, man. No, I'm no, carb wait, sensitive, wait. dude. I'm so carb sensitive. It's ridiculous. Let's, mm. let's, let's make a point. Let's make a point here. Uh, protein, fat, and fiber carbs do not spike insulin. Right. Okay. That's critical. <laughs> protein, fat, fiber do not spike insulin. Starch does. So, you the, classically bodybuilders live on protein and fiber. If they're fat-centric, they'll add fat into the diet, but they'll have very, very little in the way of starch. If they're carb-centric, they'll keep the fat to like 5% or less, and, but they'll have their, their rice and their potatoes, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but that's the classical bodybuilder diet. It's based upon protein and fiber because you can eat the hell out of that, and, and it's not going to – now, you but, won't add mass. You won't be able to add mass. Unless you have glycogen in the, in the muscle, you can't right. add mass. It's great for getting ripped. Right. Right now, now give an example of what you mean by fiber. Uh, lettuce, onions, green beans, carrots, uh, broccoli. What else, Jim? Uh, uh, Sweet potatoes. No, that's starch. Yeah, but it's uh, fiber. 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 I thought he meant just fiber. Yeah, fiber. That's starch. Potatoes, starch. Fiber would be salad greens. Kale, oh, you're talking about uh, straight lettuce. Fiber. Yeah, you're talking about straight fiber. Yeah. yeah. And you can eat as much yeah, of that as you fiber. want, JP. Yeah, because it doesn't right. spike insulin. Yeah. Neither does pure but protein. Pure pure protein doesn't spike insulin. You can eat the hell out of it. It's neutral. But you're gonna want to in the off season when you're really trying to put on the gains, you're gonna want to put some carbs in there, like like Jim said. And it depends you're now. Gonna have, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have yeah. you're gonna have yeah. to. I mean, if, we're you're gonna if we're talking about just gaining totally lean muscle mass then you're going to really time those carbs off out and they're going to be you know cycled and all that if you just want to get big yeah. as hell that's the lasagna stuff that's the spaghetti yeah. that's, the that's, 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 winter that. that's winter yeah. time that's winter yeah. time that's winter time yeah yeah right 
Yeah. And then the problem is you don't want to gain too fast. Yeah. Oh, we're only going to gain two pounds a week, not five. I went, I went 240 to 280 in three months. One time. <laughs> I had yeah. Dude, wait a minute. Repeat that. 240 to 280 in three months. And by, so that was like January to uh, April. And then by the end of the year, I was 312. <laughs> how fun was that right well it's, yeah. it's, it's not it fun, fun carrying it around a little bit fun for the first yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah but uh you know i told that story but i was my eighth tuna fish sandwich of the day with a can on each sandwich eight and eight. i'm like okay this eight. Is eight. i'm good i'm good you know eight tuna fish uh, that's how i do it too yeah one day I was so desperate. My my daughter always talks about this. So we were going to UCLA. We're going to do a thing out there with equipment and, uh, you know, the equipment companies were going to be there and all that. And I panicked. I didn't have, uh, I was making my tuna fish sandwiches. I, I didn't have any mayonnaise. And I'm like, man, this stuff, oh, no. I can't just put it in the bread. It's all going to fall apart. No. So my girls, they were a lot younger at that. They had these go-gurts. Like, you mix cherry yogurt. That. Oh my god! <laughs> I put that Flavor. in there. Oh my god! Oh, no. My my daughter still gives me crap to this day. It was gross, but you know what? I powered right. down and it stuck together. Ugh. Orange, orange, orange flavored tuna fish. Now this guy asks: uh, <laughs> Is is Sylvia's seasoning essential to the meatball recipe? Oh, that's Don Barry. Donald Blakeberry. No, he's, <laughs> yeah, it's Donald Blakeberry. Bubbles. We call them bubbles. Well, it's like bubbles out of Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, what's the answer? Anybody? The answer is not for him to know. That's private oh, information. Oh. That's not for him to know. That's a well, secret. that's a secret, huh? I Double didn't know secret. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's oh. trying to get that out of me. They're all. They're oh, all he, I see. They're, they're all in love with my meatballs. I make really excellent meatballs. I have a certain way of doing it. So, so all of them, Chuck. Bubbles Berry, you know, right. all the meat well, meatheads, they all are into that. So no, he's not no, fooling no. us. Going he's not on getting by. that recipe. No, uh-uh, no, not even close. <laughs> next next. Next. Uh okay, here's here's a guy that writes in about the belt squat. Now we talk about this once in a while, and we talk about how much we love the belt squat. Me in particular, because and I do these all the yeah. time. I've been doing uh belt squats. Uh, with the split squats that I'm doing. So one-legged belt it. squats with a dipping belt. Mm. I love these yeah. things. Do you, they have, don't do you have a back. platform? Do you have a platform? No, I don't have a platform. Head? So as the counterweight, I've been using, um, I double up on a couple of kettlebells. It's about 80 pounds total. And the, yeah. the reason I like the kettlebell is because you get better range of motion because... How deep? You know, Can, you more deep Can you go deep? Yeah. yeah. I Can you put you a... You hang yeah. it on a belt around your waist. Yeah, and I choke up on the chain. The, so the chain, the so the kettlebell the is not back hanging. Or the down. side. What is it? Does it hang in the front or the back? In the front. It ha the bells hang in the front. In the front, right? Okay. So okay. So your your one and you're, you're foot able is to get good depth. Yeah, absolutely. You can go below parallel. Below parallel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the good. Okay. I don't know if you have this, but if you stood on two benches. You know, yeah, I don't know or, or plyo uh, boxes. Yeah, that's wobbly. Two benches is wobbly, man. That's asking for the the the, the involuntary split. 
you could do it. You could do it on plyo boxes, short plyo boxes with yeah. a dipping belt. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, for that much money, I could almost buy a platform. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Can you make some video of that? I would love to see that because I would love to include some form of belt squatting, but I have never seen, other than having a very elaborate platform that you stand on and then a then a really heavy duty no. belt, to, you know, you hang weight between your legs. You know what I mean? I've never seen a an effective belt squat that that uh, you didn't have to have the weight below the surface, the plane of the earth. Yeah. No, I'll make a video. Yeah. And I hold yeah, on to this. I hold on to the suspension trainer just so I have something to balance on. Okay, as, I like that. As I'm I doing like that. It. Yeah, it's it's you, almost man. like it's... a really heavy, heavy weighted. It's like right below your gonoids. Yeah, and you got to be careful, man, because you'll wreck oh. yourself if you're not careful. Oh, wait a there's a lot of chain and kettlebells and everything going on down there, so you got to be careful. <laughs> we had a we had good. a plate loaded belt. Squat. No, don't tell. No, don't tell us anything. <laughs> Is this a horror yeah. story? No, no, we don't had. It. And it's great for kids with shoulder injuries, elbow injuries. Um, you just got to make sure they push themselves like they would do on the back squat. Cause the back squat is so hard on how you. About, how about you? How about you when you got on it? What did you think? Hey, I never did it. I did it once. I was like, I can't, figure, I can't figure this thing you out. Know, I, I, and I, I, and you know, I, I have did, you know, I, I, I did it, but I found that it was weird to have the weight kind of, kind of pendulum swings back and forth. And it's like, Whoa, Whoa. Do you get that? Any of that JP, you know, with a regular belt squat, a formal belt squat, like a platform that you stand on, you have the weight hang down below. The weight swings. As you it depends squat, on how it swings. Yeah, but the key, the way I do it, is the weight is barely hanging down. It's just below you a little bit, so there's not much of a pendulum it's, effect. Yeah, it's like there attached. To, it's like flush to your body. It's flush to your gonoids. But but, <laughs> but but the machines, like we sell one by Legend Fitness. It's a uh, plate loaded machine, so yeah. you have the cable coming out of the platform, and you yeah. just hook a belt to it. Yeah, and that's real nice. And what I like about those kind of machines is it's got a bar out in front, and you can kind yeah. of hold on to that and balance yourself. So the weight goes important. in a slot, so you can get deep. Yeah, so, and it's fro and it's frozen, right? It right. doesn't sway like on the yeah, end of the cable. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. 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 Okay. But yeah, yeah it's right. great. So if you were going to do the belt squat, you can do it after you do a barbell squat, or you can do it on the second day. You're going to do legs, or if you've got a back injury, shoulder injury, and you can't do like a Hatfield bar, yeah, go for it. Go for the belt squat, man. I, I just think with that. So with with the back squat, now you're covering everything. I'm covering my low back. I'm covering my hamstrings. I'm covering my. They're all getting work. Now the belt and, squat. And also, also, don't forget you have high bar and low bar back squat. That's right. So you totally want to different. Those totally off. different. Right. Totally different. Well, with the belt I think, squat, you know, you I think the, I think the belt squat is a great alternative once in a while for those that can do the, the high bar back squat, the low yeah. bar back squat. Or as an, or as an assistance exercise, right? Exactly. I think out. it's, I think for someone that's got a, a, a back that won't allow them to do, do those barbell lifts. I think this is a great, great. option because it gives you. Yeah. Your yeah I back. love that. Yeah. Also, I love I love what you're doing and that you're hanging on to the suspension trainer as you do it. That takes a lot of the wobble out of it. You know, a lot of the right. I like that. 
Well, you, you kind of have to, because I'll tell you what, I'm using that 80 pounds now and I'm going, I'm doing 15 reps, very slow, pause at the bottom. And on the 15th one, you're wobbly and you, you have to be balanced. You have to have something to kind of hold on to because the last thing you want to do is go down with that, you know? Yeah. Do you launch from the ground? No, I, I, I get it all loaded up. I grab the, the but handles. Where do you load? How do you, how do you load it? How do you load to how much? 240s okay. or 280s? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of uh, kettlebells. Total weight's about 80 pounds. So what I'll do is I'll have them sitting okay, on a chair. Okay. So I'll have them sitting on a chair. So when I'm ready, I'll get my, my uh, dipping belt. I'll throw the chain through the two handles on the kettlebell. So I'll, uh, I'll clip that together and then I'll walk over to the suspension trainer where I have a, uh, uh, a chair set up behind me to where it's the perfect distance from the suspension trainer. So then I'll grab it. I'll put my right foot up on the chair and then I'll do my 15 reps. I'll get done with that. Um, and I'll take a breather for like 20 seconds. I'll do the other side. And I'll tell you what, I, those are, that's the only quad exercise I've been doing for months and I see I see size gains. I, I'm getting stronger every time. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sore. I believe it. And I, I only, believe it. And I only do two of those. I do two sets. But that's probably it on stretches that. Your, probably stretches your tight ass out, too. You well, know what I mean? Good. Literally. That's your spine, no question. And, yeah. and the, the glutes, the quads, the hamstrings, all got to get good stretch from that. Now, JP, mm -hmm. when you kind work of a back stretch. Where you were mm -hmm. back squatting, did you have a big lean? Uh, I don't know if you know who Steve Goggins is. So somebody who has like a big lean, doing belt squats and safety squats is really hard because now you're really hitting the quads. If you have a big oh, lean, yeah. then, you know, you got, a, you got some quad, but you're really, you know, spreading out the force to low back, glutes, hamstrings, all that. But if you're in... And you're, then when you're, you do, you're, throwing, you're throwing all your strong points away. Right. But, you know, some people are built like just weird where they, they have a lean a little more. And I think with that type of lifter to shore up all their weak points that aren't getting work, that's when that belt squat would be great. You know, now we're going to really hit those yeah. spots. And you're weak when you do it, especially if you're used to. Um, yeah. well, you're well, probably right. The, the, backs, the back guys who use a lot of back in the deadlift use a lot of back because they're quad weak. So when they go to something that direct quad, it's like, whoa, I'm not yeah. very strong in this. It's like, yeah, that's right. Now, if those guys are smart enough to bring their leg strength up, watch out. Because they already got the hip hinge. They got the hip hinge down, man. They got that. Now, if you add a little leg strength to that, uh-oh. But most of them don't. 90%, 90% just keep playing to their strengths. I remember, so you remember how Rob Wagner squatted. Robbie. Uh, oh God, yeah. Oh, he, with his little know. little tiny tiny narrow stance. Yeah. So so Crazy. JP, his heels were almost together. He squatted seven ninety nine with his heels almost together and straight yeah. up and down yeah. eye bar pretty high. Oh. oh yeah, had to be had to be with that stance. Right. So he says to me, "Oh man, I want you to try some safety squats." So I, I think I went on on Saturday. Now he was doing. I remember, man, he's not big. He was one eighty five at the time. He's doing four hundred five for his sets on the safety squat. So the next day, he, after I got done, he checked with me, and he's like, what'd you do? I was like, 185. <laughs> it was killing me because it was all quad, and now I have a right. deep lean. You know, not, you know, even if any lean is, is a big lean for what, the way he was squatting, you know. So yeah. then I was like, man, your quads are weak, dude. You got you know, you to get this up. So, um, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. your leg week. Well, yeah. to, to, to answer your question, uh, I did have a little bit of a lean. However, I always bottomed out. I always made sure I went to the to the basement, as we say, right? Good, good, uh, good, good. But but on the belt squat, I I I really concentrate a lot more on keeping vertical shins. Yeah. And really just, um, you know, getting down there as far as I can. Now, after speaking with uh, Ryan Chow, he's been working with me a little bit. I'm trying to uh, slowly go down below parallel again, as, as I've said before. You know, I have this torn meniscus and I've heard uh, conflicting information. But he had me going, he had me going down with a uh, goblet squat all the way down, just burying it exhaling at the bottom, just driving it deep and coming back up. I had no pain whatsoever. Huh. So I think I'm going to oh, start. Marty was right. Marty was right. Well, no, yeah. Wait a minute. Have we heard, have we heard, that's like an echo. Is there an echo in here, Jim? <laughs> well, you, you know what? You're exactly right. So I'm going to kind of inch into this, kind of ease into it and just be very careful. Listen to my yeah. body. That's the biggest thing. You got to listen yeah. to your body and see how that, if I feel any pain or swelling after whatever, I'm going to go back to just not going down below parallel. So I'll see how absolutely. it works. Absolutely. This is like, Jim, this is like when your parents tell you something, you don't listen. <laughs> but, when, but, but when the favorite uncle says it to you, you go, this is incredible. Have you heard this? Why didn't you? Hey, man, I'm that? just trying to be careful. That's all. <laughs> no, no, no. We want you to be careful. And you're exactly right. Pain as Cassidy used to say, when the going gets tough, the tough quit. And I, I tell you what, I had a situation today where on the final rep, I tried a little, tried a little overbreathe the last rep a little bit, and I felt a little weird pop in my hip joint. And I was like, rack it, bang, rack that and get out of here. And I had a little, uh, 10 years ago, I would have pushed through and, and, and done another rep, and that really would have, ingrained whatever it was i had a little limp walking out of the, mm -hmm. the gym right uh, thankfully i walked it off but that's the kind of thing you know it's like when it, anytime you feel pain that's it it's over quick well i think we've all been there and done that and in our younger years kind of just work through that you know because you you don't want to miss your reps you want to you know hit your reps and your set and, and be done with it but you were right in exactly uh doing what you did you feel that little pop or whatever, just Ooh. put it back because otherwise you're going to pay the price. I quit. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the, that's the best thing. All right. I'll try I think it again that's in it. another eight days. Yeah, let's go, baby. That's good. That's good. We did good. That's now we didn't get them all, but you know what? We'll save these, uh, the, the other ones for next time. So that was real good. Jim, are you Jim, are you out of your deck getting a suntan while we're doing this? I'm in the basement because he's know, in the tree stand. Oh, you're, you're, it's the dog season. Yeah, he, he, he starts to whine, so I got to get yeah, the, the, dog. the basement. The basement is the fortified bunker. That's it, man. Yeah. A lot of ammo. A lot of ammo down here. <laughs> if that place ever catches on fire, it's going to look like that. It's going to look like Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check out Marty's run to, weekly run column. To the, run to the roof. When that happens, Jim, take the family to the river and jump in. And just go down the river, man. <laughs> yeah, just like down the river. He lives, he backs up to a river. Yeah. yeah this is incredible. For that exact reason. Yeah. Oh, just in case. Incredible. All right, you done? A swimming pool where you don't have to change the water. This is unbelievable. All right. All right, check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher yeah. at ironcompany.com. 
uh, visit the Iron Instagram Company. thing. Gotta say week? that. Gotta say, the, gotta say the Instagram thing, or my wife will crush me. Instagram. Okay. Yeah. What's the article? It, by the way, the one we just published was back to the athletic woodshed. That and that is a real good one. Check good. that out did on there. I, did I write? Did I write it? Yes, you did. It's about Kurt Kowalski. Oh, okay, good. Oh. And about Sonny. Um, what's his last name? The musician Sonny. Sonny Rollins. Sonny Rollins. Rollins. Yeah. Yeah, I always bring him up. He's got a great story huh. of how he kind of took himself to the woodshed to woodshed to kind of reinvent his playing, right? And you parallel uh, that to the bridge, yeah, to the bridge. I have to reread yeah. this. This sounds good. No, it's really good. You ought to read it sometime. <laughs> uh, so check that out. Just go up to the uh, go to ironcompany.com, Go to the article section at the top, and then click what, on. Rollins. What is my Instagram, Jim? What is it? Isn't it the real Marty Gallagher or the Marty Gallagher? The Marty Gallagher. Okay, that's what we want. Okay, and then uh, for all your gym equipment and flooring needs, go to Iron Company. And I want to announce something. We just launched these uh, USA-made deep dish Olympic plates, Iron Company branded. And listen to this. They're not going to be painted. They're not going to be powder-coated. What we do is we we put them in uh, recycled vegetable oil. We bake them in a powder coat oven. It gives them this deep patina finish. Totally old school from the patina to the deep dish to the look to everything. You know what I mean? Are these rubber? Rubber rocks? No, they're cast iron. They're made in Uh, an American foundry. These things are beautiful. So... Check them out. They're old Fantastic. school, like you guys used to use. You know the old York deep dish? Oh, uh, yeah. The thick like ones. That? Yeah. <clears throat> That's so the that one. That, who was it? Was that the one that uh, Soren, Richard Soren, the father, could take two of the old school ones and squeeze them together them. and, like, yeah, pinch grip them? Yeah. Unbelievable grip. Spread, yeah. Must spread your hands like six and inch, eight inches apart. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. He's a good and we're doing. I, I bought from them for 20 years, and so did Rob Wagner. We were at Penn. So we went to Texas uh, for the strength coach clinic, and Soren had like a, a cocktail party. And <laughs> the, the father comes up to me and says, Jim Steele, man. Now, we've talked before. We're, we're acquaintances and all that. But he goes, you're with me tonight. Dude, we drank <laughs> whiskey. I drank whiskey for free with, with Richard Soren for like four hours that night. I mean, it was, wow. he was, he was just like, come on, man. And then he was like, have another one, have another one, have another one. This guy, this guy's drinking on me tonight. So yeah, the next, the next was awful. That's Texas hospitality, Jim. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. We also saw that he, uh, um, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's good, good reputation all the way around. Yeah. He's good dude. Um, We've got new Jim Steele articles coming at us, being flung at us once a month. (laughs) (laughs) So anybody wanting to read uh, some of Jim's articles, go to... uh, What's it it on this this time? (laughs) Well, this one's going to be assistance lifts. A what? Assistance lifts. Oh, I thought you said a bitch list. No. (laughs) Family program. Family, Family program. Man, you you guys are ready to sign off, aren't you? 
Yeah, All right. So. Goodest, goodest before the drinking hour. All right. All right. So anybody wanting to uh, visit Jim Steele's website, go to BassBarbell.com, B-A-S-Barbell.com for, for training, motivation, programs, hijinks, whatever you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, and finally, if you're seeking a radical physical transformation, our guys here are available for online coaching. You can yep. email them directly, marty at ironcompany.com or jim yep. at ironcompany.com. And that's it. That's it. That was good. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you awesome. Guys. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. Beautiful.